Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Welcome to season five, folks. Before we resume unpacking our freedoms episodes that began last season, we think it's important to connect about the Black Lives Matter movement and declare our commitment to showing up and growing up within it. These past several weeks, we've been reading, learning, and listening to Black voices more than we ever have before. As white women, we're further empowered to examine our privilege, uphold our responsibility, and commit more intentionally and publicly to anti-racist work within our families, our business, and our community. When it comes to the Upbringing Podcast, we'd like to begin the first episodes of this next season amplifying two Black women's voices. These episodes feature two of our favorite podcasts and hosts, Nolika Radway of Raising Rebels and Akilah Richards of Fair of the Free Child. We hope to have both women on our upcoming seasons of the podcast when we resume our conversations with artists, activists, writers, and beyond. But in the meantime, our goal is to center their brilliant work and encourage you, our community, to listen and learn from them as we have, from their podcasts, to their classes, to their speaking, to their writing. Nolika and Akila inspire and educate us as parents and people. We also hope that these episodes will encourage you to expand and diversify your own podcast cues around parenting and motherhood, sharing these women's work and others you listen to with your own communities. We deeply believe that Black Lives Matter and Black Stories Matter. We're all in this together and we're all growing up together. Here we go. Akila S. Richards is passionate about mindful partnerships and parenting. Since 2016, she has hosted Fair of the Free Child, a lifestyle and parenting podcast about the connection between liberation, learning, and parenting, particularly among BIPOC communities. Parents, educators, unschoolers, and entrepreneurs tune in weekly to connect about unschooling, de-schooling, conscious parenting, and self-directedness. Discussions center emotional wellness, learning, parenting, self-care, and self-love. The voice and work of this Jamaican-born digital nomad have been featured on NPR, Forbes, NBC TV, Good Morning America's blog, and in several literary and in-person spaces throughout the U.S., Jamaica, and South Africa. Akila is a TEDx speaker, an accomplished digital content writer, and sought-after facilitator whose highly anticipated book, Raising Free People, Unschooling as Liberation and Healing Work from PM Press, will be released in the fall of 2020. Now on to Fair of the Free Child, Episode 172, Raider as Ritual, posted originally May 27, 2020. This week on Fair of the Free Child podcast. So my 30s has really been like this getting free evolutionary process for me and for him. And so to go into the 40s and his, his double digits with this whole new framework is really a gift. And I am hoping, though I'm, I'm cautious to keep some things 
for myself in process, which I don't have a tendency to do. I sort of teach and learn at the same time. I'm not an unschooling expert, but I do feel like my community needs this conversation. And it, even if I'm just a conduit for them to become listeners of the podcast and supporters of your Patreon and the work that you're doing, I'm excited about that connection. You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Yes, yes. Welcome to episode 172 of Fair of the Free Child podcast. I am Akila S. Richards and as usual, feeling so good about the types of conversations that I get to have with you every week. This week is no exception. Such a good conversation. It's actually a two-parter. I'll tell you a little bit about that later. Oh, before I get into this episode, I gotta say, I gotta say, on behalf of Asia and myself, thank y'all so much for your feedback on that episode we did on Mother's Day. That episode honored motherhood and mothering in its various forms, and it also was the episode where we introduced all of the other four podcasts on Raising Free People Network. So we also introduced Raising Free People Network, and that is a liberation work platform where all of our hosts are doing their own liberation work, de-schooling work in ways that are very different from each other, but have that common thread of what it means to own oneself, sovereignty in action with every decision we make. And so y'all's feedback really got us hype. <laughs> I'm so happy. So are all of our hosts, Val of Val and Our Plants, Lou Hollis of Grief, Growth, and Grows podcast, Katrina Monique of How She Got Free podcast, and Asia of She Said We Shed podcast. And of course, me right here, Fear of the Free Child podcast. We are going to be really working hard this year to bring these messages out into the world the way that we've been doing through Fear of the Free Child, but branching that on out to these other de-schooling mamas. All right. So thank you for that. Be sure to head over to the show notes page for this episode if you missed the link to see and get to all of the shows and meet all the hosts. The show notes page for this episode is raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 172. Another place where the feedback has been on and popping and there's so much community happening around the conversation, which is so important, is over in the Facebook group. If you have not yet joined the Facebook group for Fear of the Free Child podcast, go ahead and do that. The link is on the show notes page and I go live every other week. Right now during the de-schooling release party, I'm actually going live every week in the group. But going forward, it'll probably be every other week. I'll have guests. It'll be sometimes myself. I'm also going to open it up for other people in the group to do lives because we just want to have conversations about the same sort of things we talk about here on the podcast. 
And we do that over in our Make It Happen family on Patreon, but not as much. And so that's why I decided to start a Facebook group in addition to Patreon. Didn't nobody want to do no extra, extra shit, but (laughs) this doesn't feel extra at all. It's two different spaces and I'm really happy to hold both of them. So the Make It Happen family over on patreon.com forward slash Akila. It's good. It's a great space to be. And if you also want to do more conversational, communal things where you can talk to other people, not just me, about this work, the Facebook group is a great place to go. The group name is, I think the Facebook URL is FOFC Podcast, maybe? I don't know. It's on the show notes page. So here we are with another episode in volume two of the de-schooling release party. So to refresh your memory, or in case this is your first time listening, the de-schooling release party is a celebration of our commitment to unlearning oppression in our relationships with children and with ourselves. So volume one was back in 2018, and that one was about self-care. And in this one, volume two, we are focused on pivoting, pivoting away from fear and panic over into what we've been guided towards. And as I've been noticing, there's a theme this year in the de-schooling release party in that every guest that we've had, there's a pattern of each person recognizing that the things they're noticing now, the things they're pivoting towards now are actually not new for them. They're things that have always been there, but they feel for whatever reason or sets of reasons, now they're in a position to really act on the things they've been feeling and knowing. And I think that's really interesting because it speaks to intuition. It speaks to what I called in my book, Radical Self-Expression Manifesto, old knowings. And what I'm talking about in my upcoming book, Raising Free People book, about trust, trust-based relationships, what happens when we start to get into a more trustful relationship with ourselves, what actions arise from that. So yeah, yeah, Melinda is going to be talking about that all up and through. So I'm so excited to have her on as a guest I have a quote from her, which I love. It makes me shoulder shimmy every time I see it and hear it. (laughs) So I'm going to read it for y'all. It's on her website and says, if you travel down a long ass road and find the intersection of art, feminism, fashion, Buddhism, social justice, and motherhood, you'll find me standing there in a muumuu, having a yard sale, raising money for Black Lives Matter. Melinda Alexander. I love it. Such a beautiful set of visuals about who a person is and how they see themselves through the actions that they would take. I love that. And so Melinda does women's work in LA. She's an LA-based mother, activist, entrepreneur, and a woman transitioning into unschooling with her son, Raider, who's about to be 10. <laughs> Melinda's parents are longtime anti-racist civil rights organizers. So she grew up in that space and kind of kept that at her center. So art and social justice are a big part of her work and life. She is a former public school teacher who had a baby and transitioned from a really tumultuous divorce shortly after that. And it led her to her work 
the work that she does now, which she calls women's work. Melinda is a white woman who's raising a black son in an anti-black power structure. She knows that. She recognizes that. And the work that she had been doing even prior to her son, but even more so now, show up to address anti-Black power structures with a feminist, social justice-oriented focus. And more recently, as I mentioned, Melinda and Raider are transitioning from schoolish to unschooling. And that is what we will be talking about. Really, just really grateful to have you on here. I feel like we've been kind of in each other's orbit on and off for, I did an email search a couple of days ago in preparation. I think like 2014 was the first wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. email exchange. And like so many people in my life, it's really delicious the way that we just kind of stream in and out at the time that there's just something really good to offer or share or dive into together. And this feels like one of those relationships. So I'm happy to have you right now while I can and while I need you and you need me. <laughs> yes, that's funny. Yeah, I bet it was even prior to that because email was probably the formal exchange. But I think we met on Instagram, right? I think so too. Yeah, so it might have even been before that. <laughs> In the early days. So it was, yeah, I'm going to give it another six months prior to that because, you know, the bounce from Instagram to email is a formal <laughs> jump. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's it's when you're really serious about your relationship. Right. We might go together a little bit, a little bit sometimes. A bit, but like, I want to see you on the weekend. <laughs> yes. Here go my phone number, phone number. Now my right. Number. We friends for real now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's really great because when I reached out to Melinda, I had three words in particular in mind, and they are the title of this particular episode because a lot of how Melinda and I connected, and I let her talk to you about what she does and how she serves, but a lot of how she and I connected personally was very much around like spiritual leadership, like the idea of leading and owning oneself, body and soul, what that looks like, how you show up, what are you expressing, are you presenting or are you present, like that, that sort of thing. And in that work comes a lot of, for some of us, a need to ritualize. Like we create these sequences and feelings and things we can tap into to ground ourselves or to elevate ourselves. And I feel like very much what you're doing right now in the ways that you serve, including as a mother, are tied into that. So can we start a little bit with how you serve? Can you tell us how you would define kind of how you show up in the world, what you do? I help women sort of find their voice and be in process and unlearn. I mean, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about and we'll talk about today is paralleled with, in my work, the mother or the the woman's liberation process. I facilitate this very large, amazing, complex, layered women's community called Getting Free. And one of the slogans that I use in my work, particularly, it grew out of romantic relationships, but I say they get better when you do. But I absolutely believe that that is relevant to our children as well. And that as we get free, our children get free. And so this timing of this sort of next notch in that freedom for me is so poignant because I'm turning 40 in September and I'm really big on birthdays and I'm really big on self-reflection and I feel like this is a really 
next level freedom choice for me around my relationship with my son and my relationship with myself as a mother, which has been a very hard one. I'm a single mother and I have been basically since he was born. So it's been a bumpy road and finding my voice as a mother is sort of the area that has still really been lacking. I don't feel safe talking about it publicly that much. And so it's been a thing of solitude for me, but to see an action in my own life, the parallel between getting free around all the other things I teach as women and then getting free with our children right now just feels like a really rich opportunity and sort of like a missing piece for me in my evolution. And really my son, so I was, he was born right before my 30th birthday. So he'll be 10 right as I turn 40. And he keeps <laughs> telling me that his birthday is a bigger deal than mine. He's like, 10 is huge, like two digits. Like what's the difference between 30 and 40? <laughs> I was like, okay. We have these big monumental birthdays together. So my 30s has really been like this getting free evolutionary process for me and for him. And so to go into the 40s and his, his double digits with this whole new framework is really a gift. And I am hoping, though I'm, I'm cautious to keep some things for myself in process, which I don't have a tendency to do. I sort of teach and learn at the same time. I'm not an unschooling expert, but I do feel like my community needs this conversation and it, even if i'm just a conduit for them to become listeners of the podcast and supporters of your patreon and the work that you're doing i'm excited about that connection thank you so much and we are all that like you're so in the right space it's just wonderful because we don't believe in expertise we absolutely can have a level of mastery of a thing but our community like our listeners myself the small team we are so much of what you just described in your own self. Like that's why we are our own group together in these ways. Like it's within and outside of community. It's both because we are very much a lot of us, a part of how we learn to integrate things is by sharing it out loud. It isn't a matter of like, oh, I don't know. And I'm not trying to front like I'm the expert. No, like this is my process and we're process oriented process can be also so supportive and less restrictive than somebody coming to you with what they think they already know good, like for you to model that. Whereas a lot of the work now, as you talked about, especially when it comes to parenting, ain't no models. Like, and even when we had the models, the models might have not worked for us or yeah, usually Absolutely. Us. Nothing works for me. I was like, wait, what, how do say it again? Okay, wait, I must be doing it wrong. <laughs> exactly. So that's, what's really great about unschooling and why I wanted to talk to you particularly now where you are in your journey and where you are with Raider is because it is an unraveling. It is an unknowing. It is a de-schooling and unlearning very much that. And so now since you and I have reconnected most recently, and I really appreciate too that you are talking about this now because that place of solitude is also familiar to a lot of us because we don't think like most people when it comes to parenting, we see our child in many ways as sovereign. We see them as their own beings. And then we also are coming to learn ourselves as sovereign. And so a big part of the work we do together out loud is not really like coming from a space of having the solution, but it's like, what are the questions that are really driving us in the direction of committing to raising free people? 
And one of the things that I know, again, that you do around that is ritual. So I wanted to touch a little bit, Melinda, on what you are noticing now. Like we are alive in a particularly curious time with a pandemic, with a colonization of what is happening in ourselves. And I'm really curious about what you're noticing now around you, within you, as it relates to your son. They don't even have to be connected to each other. They're all coming from you, so that's the connection. But can you tell us what you're noticing and how that's relevant to your work as a mother? The first couple weeks were just really a lot and very jarring and scary. And while I felt pretty grounded in my own life because of a lot of my privileges, like I said, I hold space for this very large community of folks, and I was immediately worried about everybody's well-being. And then because of my activist work, I just like jumped on all of these mutual aid projects, and I was very overwhelmed the first few weeks. And then I was simultaneously trying to pivot with him home with me all the time. And as a self-employed person, it's already a struggle to get as much as I need to get done in the hours where he's at school. But the big gift I do want to name that I had already reached out to you prior to Corona about homeschooling. I mean, yeah, like homeschooling and unschooling him. You were the first person who popped in my head that actually what happened was I Googled. So I have two good girlfriends who are, have both been longtime homeschool unschoolers. And one of them sent me a link to the self-directed, what's the name of the organization? Oh, the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. Yeah, as the, mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. And I opened the thing and your picture pops up. I'm like, Akila? I know Akila. <laughs> I'm like, just call her directly. <laughs> and so I reached out to you and I'm like, okay, give me the lowdown. Here's where I'm at. And so I remember holding on to you saying, I was like, you know, so I think we're going to start in the fall. And you were like, why not start now? And I was like, I got to study it ready and get yeah. my papers together. And not even about what to teach him, but just like get my <laughs> shit together before I take on this whole new thing. And he's just sitting next to me. And then fast forward and my partner was like, oh, guess you're starting now. And I was like, I guess so. And so those first few weeks, it's like you're grasping for control in this moment where we're losing control of everything. Yeah. And so I would, I filled my plate like counterintuitively, but I just like filled my plate with all this activist stuff and all these like showing up for my community. And then I had already been looking into a self-directed center in Los Angeles, happened to immediately start offering the classes online and invited us to join. So I was like, cool. I thought that I was being very lenient with him. And I tend to be a lenient parent, which we could talk about in a little bit, but my yeah. parenting style is already naturally very like, I'm just not strict. It's not like me. It doesn't feel good to me. And it sure doesn't feel good to him. He's very sensitive. And so I knew we weren't going to be like at nine o'clock reading and 10 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. And and we can talk about his disdain for schooling. But I knew because he and I have been discussing this process with him stopping going to school in the fall, that that wasn't how we were going to get down. But I also knew I had work to do. I had activism stuff and I needed him to be doing something. And so we tried the online thing and he just wasn't into that either. He was basically like, mom, this is school online. And even though it was self-directed because the students that are in that center had chosen the topic, right? he wasn't a part of that process. The topics that were offered were things that other students had asked for. Right. He wasn't part of that process. Yeah. And then to be honest, there were no black staff 
and there were no black or brown students. Yep. And I just felt like, man. And I had talked to the director. He was very aware of it. And we, we were ha- making a lot of progress around their new center and that he was working towards that. But I just felt like, matter of fact, I won't even say I felt like it. I liked the teachers. I liked the classes. It, it definitely felt like a conversation between adults and children, not like a teacher and a student. I, I liked the vibe. But Raider wasn't feeling it. He was like, no, thank you. This does nothing for me. <laughs> And I want to pause a little bit to say that I really appreciate that Raider wasn't feeling it is something that's present for you often. Because when you talked about reaching out to me initially, I want to talk a little bit about that why. Like he was already expressing, because we have a similar story, like our daughters refused. And then we went to virtual school and they were like, bitch, please. Like they completely denied. Yeah, they're like, they sussed it out. They're like, yeah, I know you're trying to do like science at the beach, but I'm at the beach. Can you stop talking to me? Like they Mm -hmm. completely just rejected it over and over and over until Chris and I got to a point where we first started listening and then we freed them from school. But then we had to free them again and again and again from all the versions of schooling that we were carrying with us all across America, Jamaica, everywhere. Like we took it with us like badges of honor. But as you said, Raider wasn't feeling it. The same with our girls when they were like, I'm good. And like, what I need support with is this, not that. I'm wondering for you, like what switched it? What made you feel like before Corona, as you said, you know what, I'm going to look into what it means to like honor Raiders, not feeling it, not placate it, not try to push it under. But why, why did you even do that? He's brilliant for one. He's a brilliant, sensitive, just special child. Everybody's child is special but my child yes I hear you <laughs> extra special to me he came out and I was like wow he's he's a deep soul and so he's never liked school he cried every single day of preschool it didn't like wear off towards later like every day he would be at the window sobbing he did okay in kindergarten but by first grade like I don't know kindergarten he felt like a big boy he got into that like he pivoted a little bit around five which was another big milestone so it's interesting 40 and 10 yeah 35 and 5 was very big for us and I remember when I was drowning in early years of motherhood I was like god please just like make 35 when he goes to school a little bit better and so I can find myself again because in terms of finding my voice and helping women find their voice, those early years of motherhood, man, are no joke in terms of who, like, talk about an identity crisis. And I was going through a divorce, and I lost my job. As an educator, a lot of my teaching stuff is coming back in right now. Not the part about how to teach him, but about the rules that were bullshit as a teacher and they're bullshit as a parent. Yes. And basically, the short version is I lost my job as a classroom teacher, because I just couldn't get on board with the rules. And I had become a teacher to be a like critical pedagogy. I studied critical pedagogy. Like I thought I was going to be a social justice teacher. Common thread with our listeners too. So many of us are exactly that. We came It was almost thing. impossible. Yep. And the school that I ended up at, I mean, I had so many stories about teaching that are like at the forefront of my mind right now. I had one student, she was so brilliant, Zahara. And she had so much at-home trauma, and she maybe got pulled out once a week for counseling, but then the rest of the week, it was just me, and we didn't have an aid or anything. I had 33 kids by myself. I'm like 21 years old. I've studied all this stuff, and then I'm trying to put it into implementation in the classroom, and I'm like drowning. And she wanted to be under the table a lot, and I didn't have any problem with that. I felt like 
do your work under the table. First of all, she was at like a college level in my fourth grade class. So I was kind of like, if you want to sleep under the table, that's okay too, because this classroom is a lot and I know it's intense for you and you know more than me. So take it easy. But the principal would come in and, and visitors would come in because I was under like supervision and they'd be like, why is she under the table? Like she has to come out. And I'm like, she's fine under there. She feels safe. She would come in at lunch and talk to me. But I just remember like the ridicule that I would get about letting kids walk, like learn standing up or learn under the table or things that they clearly needed and were asking me for, but the rules of the classroom didn't allow for it. Absolutely. And that's so normal, unfortunately. You know, we talk about all the time how what happened with Zahara, that doesn't go away when she leaves a classroom. Like she'll be 25 somewhere, 35, 45 later on still navigating someone saying what you need right now is not okay you are not okay like it doesn't go away and like me saying to my friend yesterday that i'm still finding my voice at 40 is because of all the places where i didn't get to choose and one of the most profound things that you've said in your podcast that was very helpful to me that felt like equipping me to i haven't had to defend my choice yet i feel like it's been a very kind of gentle transition because of the time we're in that everyone's homeschooling so nobody's asking me why raiders not doing everything <laughs> because nobody's at school right and i hope we could pick up from there yeah because a lot of people are schooling at home yeah <laughs> yeah i'm ready to start talking about that because i finally got a reply from the teacher which i'll talk about in one second ah but yes good you said on a podcast and i thought okay i'm putting that in my pocket and i've actually have shared it to a couple people <laughs> already but as one of my explanations is that if you spend your whole life, well, one of them was about, you said, like the money and the time management, right? That supposedly school is teaching us how to be yes. successful and money manage our time or whatever. And like who in their twenties had any idea how to balance a checkbook or do anything. We were like newborns in the world. Yep. Like, and preyed upon the by the system we for the do? same thing. Yeah, the we credit got all the credit cards. Yes. yes. And I've often thought, because as a classroom teacher, I was reflecting on this this morning, I was brilliant at conversing with them. Like it's conversations with children and I'll never forget, I had a student say that she came in at lunch and she cried to me and just hugging me. And she was like, I can't tell you how much it means to be able to talk in your class. Yeah. My mother told me that children are to be seen and not and heard. Not heard yes. And you were the first adult that talked to me like, and my son loves talking to me. This morning, we were just sitting having breakfast, and he's like, I'm really enjoying this conversation. <laughs> because we get into a vibe, and I would vibe with my students, but it, at that time, California had like really strict standardized curriculum. So if you vibe on a Tuesday, and you didn't end up doing the lesson for that day, now you're in trouble, and you're behind. And so- And you're in trouble, the children are in trouble, their parents are viewing them as less than, it's a whole like domino effect, which we could now be using in the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, but I know what the thing I was saying about what I was putting in my pocket was not just about the financial readiness, but was about that you said when you're given rules your whole life and then you graduate, you have no idea. It was the same point about you don't know how to manage your time. You don't even know what you like because you were told what to do the whole time. So now you're 18 or 20 and you don't know anything about yourself and you don't know how to manage your time or, or your choices because you were never given a choice. That's right. And so I really like that to me as an argument for why this is important in terms of what he's learning is he's learning himself. 
in a way that I don't feel like schools children, they can learn themselves within parameters, right? Here are your choices. Which one of these do you like? And you even hear that in parenting stuff, like give them choices, but not too many. Like they can't say, I want to study any old thing. They have to pick within From the, the ones that you yeah. give them that are approved. Yeah. And you just gave us a parallel when you talked about not coming to this podcast because you knew essentially that you would need to face your whole self. The, the parallel you gave with the relationship, that analogy is beautiful because that's what happens too when we step outside of schooling. Like, you know, as somebody who was schooled, you know that you left there maybe with some benefits because there are some, especially when you have wonderful teachers, like human beings that you love and feel connected to and can help you find aspects of your voice. But you know you leave that bitch like completely like, okay, now where do I start? And then these relationships happen and all these different things happen in large part because we have no practice with setting firm boundaries without feeling fear, um, offering other people the space to be themselves and for us to be ourselves together. We don't have any language or practice for those skills. We come across those. That's why we need work like the work you do to teach us those skills way, way further down when these are things we can cultivate and normalize. That's what Rada was calling for when he was like, not that, not that space, but this space. Yeah. You know what you said that is really deep in terms of what am I learning in this moment and about not coming to the podcast is the timing. This is such a gift to me. Like, yeah, it's about Raider, but Raider is really an extension of my liberation right now. He's getting lucky. <laughs> and good for him because he doesn't have a choice. You have a choice. So right, I can, yeah. <laughs> and so he happens to be the benefactor of the fact that I'm getting freer. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because when you talked about, I, again, in terms of finding my voice, have thrived off of affirmation and validation, thrived to the point of needing it. Yeah. And that's something we learn in school. Absolutely. Did I do well? What are the markers of doing well and not well? And so then you finish school and I went on, I have a lot of postgraduate degrees because I love that. I love the challenge and then I'm going to do well. And that means that I'm a good person. It means that I'm successful because I got an A in this class. Yes, I'm it means valid, that I'm successful I'm and I'm a good person and I'm yeah. valuable because I got another degree. And then when you stop getting degrees and you stop getting grades, then who tells you, how do you know you're valuable anymore? <laughs> because those degrees are old. The debt is here, but the degree is played out. Nobody knows that I went NYU, no one cares. What I hope that I'm teaching him that he won't have to unlearn from at the same extent that I've had to, and I'm continuing to, in internal, like when they talk about intrinsic, intrinsic value is not possible, in my opinion, in a school setting. <laughs> because unless you are completely, you know, a self-directed. Yeah, no, it's not. Thing. It's not. This is our issue with reform, you know, and a lot of these movements that are led by amazing, passionate, committed people, but inside of a system that it's like, honey, if there are these walls, mm -hmm. right, and it's up on the top of this cliff, what are we doing? Are we trying to fortify the thing on the top of the cliff or are we moving to a different area altogether? Mm -hmm. Are we going swimming in the ocean? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we do get to choose. That's the thing. I love that you're talking about how his freedom and yours are connected because a lot of us listening, it happens that way. And for some like me, it was the opposite. Like watching my girl's freedom helped me to tap into mine. But I want to go back to what you were saying too, because I don't want you to lose your point about how with Raider, you, how this timing is perfect for you, because there's so much that 
is just like right for you to be with right now where another time wouldn't have been right? I'll loop back to what I was saying earlier, which is of all the places in my life that I feel like I've gotten free or I'm in the process of liberation, motherhood has been the hardest because it has been very solitary for me. I have not found my people as a mother. I have two sisters that I'm very close with that will both listen to this, I'm sure, (laughs) that have their own parenting styles. They're both older and they both had children before me. So I was very lucky to have them, but they're both, my whole family is very opinionated. Yeah. And not judgmental, but definitely like offering of their thoughts. <laughs> and so <laughs> you get these thoughts. Part, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get them, take them or leave them. But again, yeah. because I've had a difficult time standing in my own truth, which I, I really just realized in the last like year mm-hmm. that again, because my friend who said, wow, you have come across so powerful. Like that is my personality, yeah. but my truths are very have been sort of, I've been afraid to own them completely. I understand that. I understand that 100%. Aren't you a Libra too? I Yes. <laughs> That's why. I think a lot of it has to do with Libra. It's like, but this and that, and maybe, and I'm a good listener and I'm empathetic. So I'm taking in everything that everyone else is offering, but I can't figure out what is mine. Right. And where do I fit in, if anywhere at all, especially yeah, in- If I really listen to what's mine- who are my people? Because, yeah. and I have this story. So he takes the bus to school. He's a magnet school and it's on the other side of town. And I will say, God bless magnet schools because it was very diverse. And it's like the last place where there's diversity in schools. And so I was really adamant about him going to a school that had black children in it. And so he would take the bus every morning, which he also hated, poor baby, like an hour each way. Oh, wow. And not because the school is an hour away, but because I live in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm, so everything mm-hmm. <laughs> during rush hour is so the poor kids. And so there would be bus stop moms that I was craving so much to connect to. But Raider is different. He is. And I would say things. And I'm different. So right, I was about know, to say, and so is his mama. That's why he would have chosen I'm you. in my bathrobe and my sunglasses. And my, I mean, I'm just... Every morning, I'm in the same bathrobe. If you follow me on Instagram, everybody knows I'm always in my bathrobe. <laughs> so I'm at the bus stop in my bathrobe. I got on smear makeup. I still have on like lipstick from the night before because I didn't <laughs> wash my face. And I'm talking about how Raider hates everything. And I would just feel, they were nice to me, but I just would always get in the car feeling like, well, that didn't land. Like I didn't get what I needed from that interaction yeah. because their children were thriving in a more traditional setting. So like, one parent was in the same class and I would be like, yeah, he's not learning any, he does not get the math at all. He doesn't like it. And she'd be like, really? Oh, my son loves the math. And I'll be like, okay, cool. <laughs> and we don't even know how much of that is true. It's like, you yeah, know, I mean, like all of us are, we're fronting like as young, you know, newer moms, like just wanting to connect. So it's like, Hey, Hey, you're telling me that your son, your kid loves it. But my conversation with your kid might be something totally different. I was going to say, I think the fronting is on the kid's part to the mom, like, yeah, because again, it's not just that we want affirmation and grades, et cetera, from our teachers, we want them from our parents. Raider did well in school, to be clear. He got, you know, they don't do A's at that school, but he got whatever the high marker is. Right, right? but it was not enough for him because he needed more than academic stimulation. He's a whole person. He didn't like it. If I said, if I tried to understand, and you're going to be so excited about what he told me yesterday, but when I was trying to understand at the time, he didn't know. He could not explain why he hated school. 
Yeah. He would say that it had to do with me because in preschool, it did. We are very, very connected. And in preschool, he would cry because he didn't want to leave mama. So he kind of played that card older, like, well, I just want to be with you every day. Mm-hmm. But that's not true because on the weekend, he would still be all of Sunday. Akila, when I tell you, I thought my baby was depressed. Like, he was depressed. He was situationally depressed, not clinically depressed. Yeah, we talked about that. And that's real. And I appreciate that you recognize that. I was like, that's when I was like, hold up. Now we're about to. And he recognized it. He said to me, and I was like, oh, because if I could give any advice to parents listening, is talk to your children. Fuck the curriculum. Fuck your fears and math. And I remember years ago thinking, I wonder if just loving the shit out of him will be enough. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like in my heart. I mean like actively, absolutely a deep relationship with my child because that's yes, because that's gonna cause you to listen. <laughs> that commitment, right? Because we know we grown love by itself is not enough. So you're not just talking about a passive ethereal love. We're talking about partnership. We're talking about listening. We're talking about when Raider says, this is not okay for me, or you're looking at his body language and being like, oh my God, he's not okay, that you're going to honor that. You're not going to try to placate it. You're not going to just be like, well, you know, young, that's how it is. None of that. You're partnering. You're talking about a love that in unschooling, that's what we call partnership. That's how you facilitate learning. Of course, it's enough because it's going to inform you on what he needs It's going to show you the sort of things that you can introduce into his environment that he might not even know he didn't know and wanted to know. It is going to allow you to trust when he's saying what I'm doing right now is enough and you're not trying to fill a void that's not there. That's what loving at that level, that partnership level, that is what it facilitates, an emergent structure so that the curriculum is Raider, right? It's him and that you are a facilitator. Sometimes that makes you a teacher. Sometimes it makes you a student. You're always both, and he's always both. And then you have all these other people, a whole ecology around you that is a part of his educational path. So sometimes it's formal instruction from a place at this time to this time because he chose it and it makes sense for y'all. And then other times it's him staring at a screen for hours and you're like, he could not be learning. But because you understand how learning works, you'll get over time that he completely is. And it is your job to see how the learning is happening, not his job to explain it. That's what that level of love that you're talking about is. And that is more than enough. It is absolutely enough. And it's the old way. It's what it was before school came in and said, here's the box. Here's how you conform. Here's how you need the sound. Here's what makes you valid. Here's what makes you shiny. Don't share answers with your friend because that's cheating. Where else besides school is that the case? In the real world, that's community. That's deep. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, oh, you're good at that? I'm not good at that. I'm good at this. So let me share this with you and you share that with me because who needs to be good at everything? Yeah, but that gets put out of us. It's like, oh, you just not smart like me, Melinda. That's why you need my help. Are you serious? Good luck. So no wonder (laughs) our social justice work feels like we're starting from the beginning because so much of that has been schooled out of us because it is a child's way. They want to help each other. Mm-hmm. They mad one minute and the next minute they talking to each other about why they were mad at, or they move forward. These are intrinsic human traits that get schooled out of us. So unschooling is an anti-school. It's anti the schoolishness that costs us community and sense of self and the type of work that we end up having to do as grownups. 
at the cost of our children because that's why we need their asses somewhere because we got all the shit to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now we're not, I mean, look, that's the parallels right now is we could have 17 podcasts. There's, there's so much coming up for me and I'm very honored that you're having me because part of what I'm teaching in my community right now is around the, the role of documentation and documenting our process. And so this is a gift to me to be able to have this audio that I can listen to in 10 years. Like remember when we were first, I mean, there's gonna be so much from this time in history that this is going to be in history books. And I'm going to be like, you know what I was doing during Corona? (laughs) Here's this podcast. (laughs) No one is immune to the byproducts of compulsory schooling and standardized testing. And while reform might be a worthy cause for some, it is not enough for countless others still trying to navigate the tyranny of what schooling has always been. Raising Free People book argues that we need to build and work within systems truly designed for any human to learn, grow, socialize, and thrive, regardless of age, ability, background, or access to money. Families and conscious organizations across the world are healing generations of school wounds by pivoting into self-directed, intentional community building. And Raising Free People book shows you exactly how unschooling can help facilitate this process. In these detailed and unabashed stories and insights, I examine the ways that my relationships to Blackness, decolonization, and healing work all combine to form relationships and enable community healing strategies rooted in an unschooling practice. This is how millions of families center human connection, practice clear and honest communication, and raise children who do not grow up to feel like they narrowly survived their childhoods. That is what is happening throughout the pages of Raising Free People book, and it is now available for pre-order. Make sure you head over to RaisingFreePeople.com to grab your copy. Also, there'll be a link on the show notes page. I cannot wait to have discussions with you about the things that we work through in those pages. Can you give us some of the ways that you are already centering Raiders' voice and needs consistently and what that's doing for you? Because we're not going to leave ourselves out of liberation work. Absolutely. So a lot of our language is very similar. So I feel, going back to the love thing, I feel very fortunate that I already was good in that department. And I'm just going to name that for a lot of parents, not to say that you don't love your children, but that because of the structures that we were adhering to, the job and the schooling, we didn't have the time to be active communicators with our children. We have very small windows in the day to have these conversations, right? And everybody's overly busy and putting their kids in all these extracurricular things, which luckily my son, same thing. He was like, nah, I tried everything. He's like, nope, don't like it. Nope, don't like it. I'm like, dang, he doesn't like anything, which I'm going to get to what he does like and what's emerging for him right now. The lines of communication with him have already been open. Like, I'm his best friend. It's tricky when people say, like, I'm best friends with my kids because you know you need to be a parent and not a best friend. I try not to. I have other friends that I process adult things with. Good. But I'm his whole world. Yeah, and that's okay right now for y'all and you and he know it. Yes. It is okay. And he has other friends. He's very particular, which I've, he's always been 
about everything. He's a particular child. So he picks who he wants to be friends with, but he has a lot of friends and he likes who he likes and he doesn't like who he doesn't like, which I think is a great skill to, to allow in a child. That they Absolutely, don't like because everything. as adults, we're trying to figure out how to be okay with those same sort of skills. <laughs> sure. And so we already had this very strong foundation where he felt very comfortable talking to me. And so the unschooling process was already beginning was before Corona was me saying, look, mommy's working, looking into this stuff. And I don't understand it either. Cause he would ask me questions. And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm looking into it. I was talking to you. I was visiting that, that center. And I was just like, by the summer, we'll ease into summer and then we won't go back in the fall and we'll just see sort of what we figure out before then. And so I've been sharing with him the process all along. And so our communication was already really flowing and rich. And so we've been sort of, I tried that first week while I was already drowning in all of this other stuff on my plate, that unschooling, the online thing. It was like, no, thank you. Then his regular classroom implemented the online thing. I think this is important to name here because people may not realize that they have this choice. So his fourth grade classroom started this whole Zoom schedule. And the first call he got on and he was really excited to see his friends. No schooling was taking place. Everyone was sharing their dogs and they were all off mute and it was like a party and he was happy to see his friends. And then the day two was like, okay, now we're sending you the math packet and we're going to go over the math. And he was on Zoom, but off video crying. He just said, I, I don't want to do this. This feels like school and I hate it. And I closed the computer and I was like, then we don't have to. I don't care about this. Because he was crying hard, like he was failing or something. And I was like, waiter, I do not care about this online stuff at all. You don't have to do that packet. And he was just sort of confused, like, but what about, and I was like, what about nothing? I will email them right now and tell them we're not doing this online school. Does that feel good to you? And he was like, yeah, like he was scared he was going to get in trouble. And I was like, no, it's going to come from me that this isn't working for us. And I haven't told them yet because I don't want to have to fill out all the paperwork and all that yet. I'm taking advantage of the leisure window totally. of everyone homeschooling. But because I, I got too much on my plate and I know that that's a whole logistical process that I'll do it when I need to. But I basically emailed them and said, I just want to let you know that we're not going to participate in the online schooling. It's just really not working. It's causing added stress in a very stressful time for myself and my child. And they emailed me back for like a month. That was like a month ago. And then I just got an email back. Basically, of course, they were drowning as well. And he had two teachers and one said, like, basically, it's fine. Take care of yourself. Do what you got to do. It's all good. I hate this too. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't even need that reply. Once I sent the email, I was like, okay, we're good. We're free. And so then what we did, which has been the beautiful thing where it's parallel for both of us, is because he took an hour long bus, we woke up at 545. So his bus stop was a 645 pickup. And I remember I was a teacher. I've been a teacher or a student my entire life. And then when I wasn't a teacher anymore, I was a parent. So I've been getting up and he is an early riser at 6 a.m. my whole life, if not earlier. And so the first thing that we did was just sleep in. What time do you naturally wake up when there's no alarm clock and you don't have to get to the bus stop? Thank you. And so he gets up early still, but he's nine. So guess who doesn't have to get up with him? Me. I'm like, do your thing. When I come out is when I come out. The liberation is showing get up. Get your own cereal if you're hungry. Because Whatever you need. Yeah. That is a form of liberation. 
Listen, you know you so, so speak deep. our language. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you know me in real life, like in my day to day, I fall asleep at like eight o'clock. I always have. No friends think I'm fun. Like I'm just not. <laughs> I can't stay up. Turns out, if I don't have to get up, it's butt crack of the dawn. That's right. I can be up till eleven or twelve watching Ozark with my partner. You know? <laughs> so I'm, I'm a whole new person. I got a whole nightlife now. I mean, I'm not exuberant at night, but I'm awake. But you and see this because you had a natural rhythm that all this time was interrupted. Actually, I didn't know. I knew that my body liked 730. Mm. And so I've been waking up at some time between seven and eight. And then our rhythm, which naturally emerged, was, and again, I put it in my pocket, not to defend to anyone else because I didn't think people were going to buy this because people have not been buying this. But this is where my maternal instinct was strong and I didn't know how to defend it. My son, when, when I asked you what he loves, he loves video games. He is a computer whiz and he loves art. So he loves the art part of video games and he, he loves animation, all things computer. And as we know, that's the future, right? And I heard it's you on one of your podcasts talking about, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So that's always been the case for him. He's in there cackling, like cracking up. Even when he was going through that phase where we thought he was depressed because school, and I, I need to name so I'll tell you in a minute what he said yesterday. But the thing that he said before is he said, mom, I think I'm depressed. And I said, okay, I take that seriously. Let's look at it. And I took him to the counselor that he went to when he was a child, when I was getting a divorce. And, and then a few weeks after that, he's like, mom, I think it's cool. On the weekends, on Saturdays, because he wasn't allowed to play during the week, he would not be like that. He would get like that Sunday afternoon. He would like go into a deep depression Sunday afternoon because school was coming, right? The Sunday blues, we call it. Yes, like we have at, at our jobs when we were working jobs we hate. The same thing. So yes, son. Wait till I tell you, Akila, what I said to him that was weighing on me so heavily as a mother. So he hated school so much. And I would say, you know, babe, we can do hard things. And he's like, it's not hard. I hate it. <laughs> he's like, it's not about, I just don't get it. I just don't like it. And I would say, which every time I would say it didn't land well, like in my spirit, but like the right thing to say was, well, that's what adulthood is, is most adults are doing things all day that they don't like. And this is where the parallel is between, I felt like I was teaching him that you're going to grow up and get a shitty job that you don't enjoy because that's what adulthood is. And so get into it now. You might as well hate school because most people hate their jobs. That's what it yes. sounded like. And in it's my not head. just school, Melinda. That approach, which so many of us have taken, it doesn't even just apply to like them getting the job. It's anything. So you're in a relationship and you feel super fucked up, but it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to push through because, you know, it's hard. And this is what it, is. it applies to everything. That's the thing, not just the job. Yeah, but I was teaching him specifically that jobs suck, basically. Yeah. And those are your choices. You go to school and it's hard because he was like, life sucks. Life is hard. And I kept saying, I have a job that I love, but basically you probably won't. Yes. <laughs> you know, the likelihood of you being able to make a living doing something that fills you is very small. And so you should get practice now doing this thing you hate because most adults, Sunday night, everybody hates Sunday night. Right. That would suck. Sunday night sucks because Monday is the job that you hate. So we're acclimating our kids to the very same thing that we're all working so hard to get away I from. I would say it and then I would be walk away because we take our dog on a walk. That's where like all our deep 
Shark Savin. And I would be walking back after I said that. Like, I can't believe I just said that to him. And I would say it again and again because I didn't know how else to explain that you have to do this thing that you hate. Because when I would tell people the only thing that brings him joy is video games, you know, the culture is very anti-video game, anti-technology, anti-screen. And so it was sort of like, well, no wonder he doesn't want to do anything else. You know, if you let him play screens, then everything pales in comparison. Instead of not one person said to me, wow, he's so prolific in games and it brings him so much joy. Let's look at that. Let's right. see that truth. Right. Instead of trying to fit him, like unvideo game him <laughs> and force all these other things on him that don't bring him joy. Let's look at this thing that brings him joy. And I would try and advocate for that. But I felt like the people around me were sort of, whose children don't naturally gravitate to video games, which is fine. But that's the thing, it's understanding that it's not just that, so shout out to all the parents and this to them speaking directly, whose children really love video games. I don't mm. think it is my nieces who I'm very close with, my sister's children who are here, and one is actually in class, they all go to the same school. She doesn't have any interest in video games, none. I don't think it's a universal, it doesn't bring joy to every single child. It's not just that it's addictive and that video games have crack in them and that they make the kids want to play them. It's a way of learning. And for my highly sensitive child, it's a world and my highly creative child, he likes games where you can create. And I have to give a deep shout out. I wish they could sponsor me right now because I'm so 100% behind this game. If your child has a Switch, there is a game called Animal Crossing that I cannot tell you, Akila, it came out as soon as the quarantine happened. So this is like, I feel like it serendipitously came out of the universe because this is better than anything he was learning at school. It's, I'm not kidding. It's the most brilliant game. Like he's learning all the subjects on it. And I really looked at it. I'm laughing and I'm listening to you because it's like, this is awesome. Because a part of me is like, yes, I hear you. And another part of me is like, that's cute. That's great. Because it's something that you can equate to learning but he was learning even with all the other games that you see nothing educational in yes but this is a good transition for me because if he was <laughs> yes, like you know i want to play laugh. minecraft all day yes. i wouldn't have been as <laughs> like or you want to play one of the violent ones which i don't let him play but this one is totally my language it's all about nature and plants and seeds and every day a new seed bursts through and, and we're bonding over it and i hear what you're saying about the connection yes and that's important and as you continue you will need less and less for it to be your language though, before it's his. Cause this makes sense for you now. It's not just that I love the content. It's that going back to the, how you connect, like is love enough? We're talking about it. And I was, honestly, I've been listening. I know everything about everything, Spider-Man, every war, every version of Spider-Man. <laughs> so this has always been my MO. Like, what do you love? Let's talk about that. Good. But I happen to enjoy this more, like to where I'm every morning. I'm like, what's happening on the game today? What yes, do, and what we're always looking for that as unschooling parents because there's some shit that we just don't care about. Like my oh, right, I'm like, I'm like, I don't remember. Can I not be the person for that? But then when you find a thing, it's like, oh my okay, okay, you're in, you're in on this. I'm in on this. We so can. this morning when he said, <laughs> I love this conversation, I'm sure we were probably talking about that because we're doing daily check-in about what is happening on his little island in this game right yeah and so he's loving and he said i know that you don't want to talk about this so much like he would always say that on the walk like i know you don't want to talk about this game or this character and i'm like sure i don't care but he's noticed the difference in like our mutual excitement about this thing that he's doing and so that in terms of what's emerged 
is you gave permission, both on our personal call, you said, in terms of the de-schooling process, de-schooling right now might be just him playing games all the time. And I remember being like, wait, what do you mean? Am I allowed to do that? Because I felt like no one was giving me permission to just let my kid play the game. Everyone was making me feel like, and I thought I was already on the strict side because some kids play during the week. And I was like, no, you can only play on the weekend. So in the morning, I do still have some rules, loose ones. And that's okay because you're transitioning. And I know that the rules, because of the time, I want to push a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's okay because it needs to be a transition. And also, Raider needs to see and experience it himself, just like you're experiencing it so that he can continue to have honest dialogue with you. He's really fortunate to have a mama who that's been the norm. And you're really fortunate to have a son who's entrusting you with himself emotionally in that way. And I'm sure that's work you deliberately did. That wasn't happenstance. So it's like, no matter what the transitional processes are, you can recognize them as transitional and you can recognize yourself as de-schooling. Melinda has given. Yes, yes. So good, right? And so that was a big chunk, a good portion of the conversation that Melinda and I had. And because feedback from past seasons has informed me not to make this podcast episode or each of them too, too long. We kept it at what it is. But if you want the full conversation, that is going to be available in my Make It Happen family over on patreon.com forward slash Akila. I also have mad clips on my YouTube page. The link to that will be on the show notes page. Some of those clips will include audio that didn't make it to the episode. So make sure that you are following us on all the places Patreon, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Speaking of Patreon, want to shout out our newest patron, Unique. Thank you so much for joining our Make It Happen family. And you listening to this, if you appreciate this episode, please be sure to head over to that space, patreon.com forward slash Akila, to make an easy, simple monthly donation. When you do that, what you're doing is you're saying, Akila, I appreciate this show and I want to do something to make sure that you and your team can publish your episodes consistently. All right. There's also tons of awesome content that I put out there from time to time, behind the scenes things, extended convo things, but mainly the purpose of that space is so that we can do these episodes over and over better and better. All right. So head over to the show notes page, raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 172, and then join us next week for another edition of the de-schooling release party (laughs) with Danny the homie. She is a Trini woman, an unschooling mom. She has a brewery and always has such brilliant perspectives on de-schooling in particular. So make sure you join us next week for that. Thanks for listening. Much love and chat to you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fair of the Free Child. Learn more about Akila Richards and the podcast on her website, raisingfreepeople.com. 
You can listen to the podcast there or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Follow Akilah Richards on Instagram at Fair of the Free Child or YouTube at Radical Selfie. You can pre-order Akilah's book, Raising Free People, Unschooling as Liberation and Healing Work, through pmpress.org. Support Fair of the Free Child by visiting patreon.com forward slash Akilah, A-K-I-L-A-H. Check out more relevant links in today's show notes. Thank you again for being here. We'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.